Welcome to the Bermagui Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here you'll find the recording of messages from our weekly gatherings. We pray you'll be challenged and encouraged by today's message. Well, what I'm doing today is we're going we're gonna to wrap up our series in James. It's been a nice, slow little push, but at the same time, uh, you can have a bit too much of a good thing. And I think we've been in it long enough, so I wanted to sort of wrap it up. So we are going to do a bit of a fly through the last chapter of James. The, um, the preaching guide I was using actually splits chapter five into three sections. It's like, oh, no, I want to I get through it because I've got some other things I want start to start to touch on in, in coming weeks. So hopefully... I'm not too far, fast and quick through the points, but um, at the same time, there's this, it's only 20 verses. It's a fairly short little chapter, but there's still just so much in it. So I hope you can keep up. But depending on your Bibles, uh, if you're looking through the, the, the NIV, which actually I wanted to use today. So I'm going to put down my, my New Living Translation. I want to use NIV for anyone that's following. But depending on your, the way your Bible's laid out, the last chapter of James will be laid, will split into three sections. It's almost like, I guess you'd almost say three paragraphs. And um, what he's doing there, he's actually, as, as we've seen throughout the whole book of James, he, he's just short, fast, and, and to the point. And he's just addressing different needs. So the same thing always happens again here in chapter five. And you can almost say he's addressing five different audiences he sort of highlights five different groups you know the, the, the first section first section starts now listen you rich people and then the next little section says yeah be patient then brothers and sisters and the last little section starts out with you know is anyone so the whole time he's, he's addressing people and you know you could almost start to tune out a little bit go oh, well maybe that one's not for me because he's not addressing me in that one but the point I want to make, I guess, as we go through these ones is that, you know, these audiences aren't exclusive. He's not sort of saying, well, I'm, I'm addressing this group of people so the rest of you can just ignore it. No, he's sort of saying, no, I'm addressing people in this way. It's actually quite inclusive. And I guess my challenge to you today as we do highlight these ones, you know, you know don't tune out when I'm talking about the rich. Think If you might be thinking, well, I'm not that rich. No, there's still definitely things we can take from there. When I'm talking about the impatient, you might be going, well, I'm a pretty patient person. Maybe that's not for me. No, there's still things we can learn. When he's talking about the sinful and the sick, yeah, we can still listen and learn and we can make these final statements really apply to who we are. So we are just going to read our way through it. So I was going to read the first six chapters. So one to six. So this is out of the NIV. It says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent ones who are not opposing you. So typical James, he doesn't hold back. 
<laughs> he just goes, come on, big slap up the side of the head. And this section can almost group people almost where you got some sort of saying, well, I don't have money, so that must mean this isn't about me. And so I'm, I'm a bit more spiritual and a bit better off than others. And the, the opposite response might be making people a bit defensive. It's like, oh, but you know, it's okay to have money, isn't it? It's okay to, 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 to save and, and, and that sort of thing. But I guess the main point I want to sort of highlight here is that you know, being rich is relative. The fact is compared to a good proportion of the world, everyone in this room is rich. Yeah? We all know that there's portions of our world where our standard of living is miles above where they're at. And the opposite is true. There's people that are just beyond our standard of living. But the fact is we all have what has been given us. We are all people that utilize this currency and this money. So these words are for each of us. And I guess some quick points I want to make out of this is that our money talks. How we deal with our money is a reflection on us. How we deal with our money is a reflection on our spiritual health, our values. And so James sort of highlights three things here. There's three little quick points I want to make. Is, you know, he speaks about how we get our money, speaks about how we guard it and, and how we give it. So in this section, he, he does highlight that you know, there's, some, there's some really wrong ways of getting your money. So he highlights exploitation, exploiting people. And so he says, well, these people work for you, but you haven't paid them. And things like that. And what James is really sort of saying is, yeah, whatever you do for your money, make sure it's honest. Make sure there's integrity in that. Don't, don't be, be deceptive or lie about it. Yeah? Your gold and silver will testify against you. And the fact is, you know, according to scripture, we will be held accountable to our actions. And so the way we earn money obviously is the same. So how we get it is important. How we guard it. How we guard our money is also revealing. You know, James is describing someone here who's hoarding their, they're guarding their wealth. But there's a little quote in the, in, in the, in the notes here that, you know, said guarded wealth promises joy, but brings only misery. And the fact is, it's a notion that's highlighted in Scripture in Luke uh, 12, chapter 21 onwards, is a parable about the rich man. How he sort of goes, oh, no, I've got more stuff, so I'll just build better, bigger bigger sheds and bigger, bigger grain stores. And God shows up that night and says, you're ridiculous, you're going to die tonight. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with saving. But we've also got to check our priorities. Why are we saving it? Because then it, really what it boils down to is what we do with our money. How do we give it? How do we use it? You know, some people give their money to themselves in self-indulgence while others give it to the Lord to advance his kingdom. So what does your money say? This isn't a sermon on money. It's, 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 that's what I'm wanting to do actually fairly soon. But in this small section, that's what James is really asking. So I say, come on, what's, what's your money say about you? Does it say... Get me any way you can, guard me and hold me tight and keep me and clutch me. Or does your money say, give me a way to others in the service of Jesus Christ? So let that question ponder in your mind for a little bit. What does money say? What does your money say about you? Let's jump into the next section. Chapter 7 onwards. Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. 
Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, be an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you'll be condemned. What James is sharing here is just a, a real snapshot on, on, on proper perspective of patience. Because, you know, patience is hard. You know, some of us are better at it than others, but I'll tell you what, even those that appear to be very patient, like a lot, a lot of people have commented on me with the way I deal with kids in the school and things like that. Oh, Chris, you're so patient. It's like, well, in this setting, yeah, probably. But there's other settings I'm not. <laughs> I'm sure Prudence would attest to this if she was out here. You know, there's moments where I'm just like, come on, just want it done. Usually with myself and usually with you know, technology and things like that, I, I actually get impatient with them. It's like, come on, I know you should be working faster than this. So we all have to deal with that. We all know that feeling of being impatient. But the problem with that is that when we're impatient, it, 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 it draws us to sort of make presumptions. And so it's go, oh, well, I'm not sure why I'm waiting. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the end of all this. So I'm going to sort of jump the gun a little bit. And what James is highlighting here is that, particularly in the church and amongst believers, you know, this presumption led to people sort of jumping to conclusions when it, came, when it comes to the, 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 the topic of the second coming of Christ. And so what James is sort of dealing with here, because the fact is the notion of, you know, the, the return of Christ has been there since he left. And the fact is the angels said the moment when he left, you know, the angels appeared to the disciples and the people that were gathered there at his ascension. And they said, why are you looking up the clouds? You know, he's gone, but know that he's going to come back. They sowed that seed from the very beginning. But in that in-between, that time where we need that patience, what James is saying is that we need to not just focus on what's beyond, but use this time to focus on what's going on inside, on what's within. So again, the, the guide I used gave some titles. So the first one was, Look Up, Be Calm. Now it starts with this opening line, you know, be, be patient and brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. You know, these predictions of Christ's return are nothing new. You know, every major world event seems to bring a new wave of, of teaching and, and preachers sort of say, oh, yeah, maybe this is pointing to this or that sort of thing. Sadly, at times, not always, some, some preachers are very balanced in this and have a real gift of, I guess, reading the, the seasons of the time and, pre- and speaking prophetically about it. But others lose their credibility because they jump the gun and say, oh, it means this and Jesus is going to come over in five years. It's like, well, we don't know that. We don't. But what James is sort of saying, hey, we know this promise is here and we know there's tough times and we can look at that and go, well, where, where on the, the timeline are we? But he just reminds us, make sure you stay patient. You stay patient. The farmer has to wait for his crops to grow. He can't, he can't just make them grow faster, can he? Be patient. And just be calm in that. Just know that the promise is there. He's calling us to be patient. So we look up, awaiting Christ, but we also need to look in. Because when we have to wait, it can, be, it can stir an irritation, it can store frustration. 
And there's a potential for us to become bitter and resentful during those times. So in verse 8 there, it says, be patient and stand firm. Be patient and stand firm. That word there for stand firm in the Greek, it's an active term to, you know, to, to, to prop up or to strengthen something. And so James says, you know, the way we do this is don't grumble. Don't let that irritation get to you and outflow in your response to each other. Don't grumble against each other. Until the Lord's return, we must stay calm, but we stand firm against that, that leading of the, the flesh to lash out or to, 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 to be irritated or to you know, cause us to sin, basically. So let's make sure we're being calm, that we're looking inside and being clean. The next one is, the, uh, let's make sure we're challenged by those before us. So James calls his readers back to, to Job. He says, no, think, th- think of the prophets and all that they went through. Think of Job and his perseverance. If you're familiar with the story of Job, he got hammered, <laughs> didn't he? He did. He lost everything. Lost all his wealth. He lost his children. He lost his health. But he persevered and he just knew that somewhere in there God was at work. And that perseverance paid off. And so James is just saying, no, just know that there's been people before you that have gone through the tough times and they've come out the other side. And whether they've come out the other side, this side of eternity or the other side of eternity, doesn't actually really matter. But let's be challenged by those that went before us. If they can do it, we can do it. Job was just another human, just like us. He was. There's nothing special about him. So let's be challenged by that. The last one is, let's make sure we stay consistent. This little topic here where he sort of says, you know, don't swear. He's not talking about profanity. He's talking about, you know, these oaths that we make. And again, that's a reflection of what Jesus taught, isn't it? Matthew 5, 34 to 37, he speaks about, you know, do not swear at all, neither by heaven or earth, or um, or by God's throne, or by Jerusalem, or even by the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair on your head white or black. Simply that your yes be yes and your no be no. So James is basically reminding us, so saying that, just say what you mean. Do what you say you're going to do. Be consistent. It's a message that we all need to hear, isn't it? So that's the second part. What's this third you know, audience that he's wanting to say? I love how it's open with, yeah, is anyone? Is anyone? He's talking to all of us here. The fact is, you know, let me read it and then I'll go into my notes. So verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. 
My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner away from error, from the error of their way, will be saved, will save them from death and, and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, James is just addressing all of us here. He's addressing humanity. And he's highlighting the fact that we live in a world of hurt. We live in a world of pain. But we can go into this world with a message of hope. So James is describing a situation. He's describing that there's mountaintops and valleys, there's sunshine and there's rain, there's happiness and heartache. And he highlights that, you know, people deal with pressure. You know, if anyone of you, of you is in trouble, that's a very broad term, isn't it? <laughs> trouble could mean a lot of things. What does he tell us to do? Pray. If any one of you is happy, you know, like the fact is there's good stuff going on. Well, give honor to God. Praise him. Sing a song of praise. If any of you is sick, you know, call on others to, to come around you to pray and anoint you. So there's pressures in this life, there's pleasures in this life, and there's pain. But the solution to this, he gives us two solutions, a horizontal solution and a vertical solution. He speaks about, you know, confess your sins to each other. You know, we are privileged that we've got direct contact to God. And yes, we should confess and ask repentance before God when we stuff up. But there's a time and place too that we actually come to a, a, a trusted brother or sister and so say, hey, I'm really dealing with this. I just need to confess it and I want you to just pray with me and stand with me in this. There's something powerful about that. I know this full well in my own life and I'm happy to speak about this as something, a topic that I'm not afraid because I guess the power that it held over me was because I held it in secret. For a long time I battled with pornography. But a, a revelation that God gave me that really sort of helped me overcome it and work it through and, and, and get rid of it out of my life in that sense was this very verse. I was just going, no, you need to actually bring it into the open. The fact that I kept it so secret, that's what held me captive to it. And so use this verse with wisdom. No, it's not something you sort of have to blab to everyone. But if there's something you're working through, something you're dealing with, some, some sort of thing, don't be afraid to go to others and say, hey, can you pray with me in this? So we've got each other. We've got the body of Christ around us to support us and, and you help us through. Yeah. Part of our journey of being right with God is being right with each other. You know, that confessing your sin to each other might be just sort of saying, hey, you know, can you forgive me because I've actually been a bit annoyed at you for whatever or, you know, I've, you know in our relationships, it's a powerful thing to be able to say, hey, I need help with this. But then he says, you know, confess your sins to each other, but also pray for each other. That's the vertical connection. We've got to realize that it's not just us here on earth doing our thing. No, we're also connected to God. And that prayer, the, the word prayer that James uses there, it's a, it's a Greek word that it, it notes this, tent, this type of prayer, which is just in absolute humility. It's almost like an intense humility. You're just going, God, before you, I am absolutely nothing. Before you, I am the vapor. Now that, that came up in last week's sermon. It's just an earnest, heartfelt prayer of just going, God, I need you. And the way he sort of says it is, is you know, it's just make a practice of it. Don't wait until things are too tough. 
as the need arises, just do it. Always be praying for each other. And I love the fact that we're a praying church. You know, not only do we pray corporately, but I've seen, you know, after service, before services, people are sort of sick. I've seen people say, hey, let's pray. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. I just want to read this quote. I've sort of touched on it a little bit. It says, The word James uses for prayer in James is a word that means a humble begging or a plea or petition. It is the most humble word for prayer in Greek. This prayer is neither to order God to do this or that, nor claiming this or that. It suggests the picture of a needy man with his head bowed in humility, asking for help. Humble prayer is approached with integrity. It is the prayer of a righteous man. It is asked with intensity. It is powerful, as is said in verse 16. It is answered with immensity. It is effective. And it avails much. If we live... As we live in this third millennium, may God help us to be righteous so that we can touch a hurting world. And what James does in his last two verses there, he doesn't give the the usual sort of formal farewell. If you look at the other letters from, 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 uh, from Paul and from Peter, there's always a bit of a farewell and maybe in some in instructions on you know, travel plans and things like that. James just ends it. <laughs> he's, he's such a matter-of-fact sort of writer. But he just highlights and brings us back to, for me, I really sort of say it's almost like the, the, core, the core business of who we are, which is drawing each other closer to God. You know, God is in the restoration business, and so he highlights the fact that you know, we stumble. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, then someone should bring that person back. You know, we can all wonder. And it's not necessarily a falling from salvation, falling from grace. It's not necessarily talking about this. It's just wondering, you know, just getting lost in the noise of life, getting lost in our issues and our worries and our concerns, getting lost even with, you know, wrong teaching or just, you know, wrong, wrong ways of sort of saying things. You know, that's why we have each other to sort of say, come on. Keep journeying with us. Keep walking with us. Getting around each other and bringing people back to that place of, of, of truth, that place of being in the truth, in the Word of God. And when we do that, there's something powerful about it. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. You know, that's the heart of God. That's why Jesus did what he did. He did it so our, you know, our eternal nature can be restored. And so we can do that for each other. We can help each other stay on track. We can help each other stay on the path that God lays before us. And the way he sort of leaves it hanging there, it's, it's almost like, sort of like, come on, this is what we're called to do. Yeah, do it. Just get on with the job. And that's the book of James. So there's many, many things that we touched on through the book of James. Many different sort of points about, you know, wisdom, about the way we deal with our lives, the, the nature of our faith, the nature of our actions and our words. I encourage you, you know, don't just go, well, okay, I don't need to read the book of James again. Chris has done a great long series sermon on it. I don't have to go back there. No. 
revisit let it sink deeper let it take it to that next level of of maturity that next level of, of relationship with jesus let it always be a challenge amen let me pray lord god i thank you for your word i thank you for just the faithfulness lord god of your of those first apostles and, and, and believers, Lord God, that just went, wow, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And they laid their lives down, and, and many of them did, Lord God, directly give their lives, Lord God, in honour of keeping your truth and keeping your word and keeping their promise to, to always seek you first. And Lord God, I pray that, that that is a challenge for us. I pray, Lord God, that we are always challenged, Lord God, not only by your word itself, Lord God, but by those that have gone before us. I thank you, Lord God, that we can just gleam just so much wisdom and so much about you, Lord God, from your word. It truly is living. It truly is a two-edged sword that just can cut deep, Lord God, into our soul. But we thank you for that. We thank you that your desire is not to just leave us where we are, leave us broken and unsettled, Lord God. Your desire is to see us whole. Your desire is to see us grow in just faith and confidence and that hope in you. I thank you for everyone here and I thank you just for the privilege it is, Lord God, to, to, to teach and to, to bring your word, Lord God, to this church. In Jesus' name, amen.